Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa and narrator of the Hey David podcast. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers too. Welcome. Today I'm going to talk with David about money, specifically how to make money interesting. The longer you wait to spend your money, the more of it you'll be able to spend. Hey David, it's Grandpa. Okay, today let's talk about everybody's favorite topic, money. You may have heard, and people do say this, that money is the root of all evil. But that's not the way the Bible says it. Paul, writing to Timothy, said, The love of money is the root of all evil. Desiring to have money has taken many people on a crash course of self-destruction. They ruin their faith, their relationships, even their families, and they jeopardize their health. They might end up with lots of money, but no life. Handling money is a major complication in life. Keeping the proper value of and perspective on money is challenging. Pursuing and acquiring money can be intoxicating. Learning how to use money often gets the best of us. Did you know that the Bible has over 700 distinct references about money? This tells me that money is not only our favorite topic, but a topic with deep potential for harm. Otherwise, why would there be so much instruction about it? The rest of Paul's comment to Timothy goes something like this. Those who love money skewer themselves with many painful experiences. I'm going to ask a stupid question. What is money? A variety of answers comes to me. Here's a thought that might rankle our world. Money is the measure of our time or work. You work at a hardware store. You get paid so many dollars per hour for your work. Your paycheck represents your work and your time and their value to your boss. You traded time, sweat, and effort for dollars. That's how it should be. My daughter has a wonderful, large vegetable garden. She works hard in the garden, prepping the soil, planting the seed, watering the garden, dealing with the weeds, and harvesting the veggies. Her husband built a produce cart for her this year. When she sells those veggies on her cart, she gets a reward for or value on the work she has done. I understand that there is also the value of her joy of gardening and of eating the produce ourselves. But the point is, on that cart, her work is translated into money. Neighbors buy what she sells. David, as simplistic as that sounds, it gets right to the heart of the matter. 
we find ways to translate our time and efforts into money. It gives us a fair medium of exchange with other people for the work they've done, too. It's much more complicated and complex than that, I know, but I want you to see the simplistic view of money. Knowing that money represents the value of work you've done and time you've committed to it, what does that say about cheating or stealing or defrauding? There is honesty and integrity in working hard for the money you earn. It's noble. It's human. So it is fundamentally dishonest to get money other than by working for it or trading your time for it. That's debasing at the least and downright dishonest and reprehensible at the worst. I'm not talking about gifts, benevolence, or inheritance. That's another topic. Your money represents the hard work you've done to earn it, as well as the time you've sacrificed for it. So, let your money go to work for you. As a kid, I heard my Uncle Lee chide my cousin Bruce about letting money burn a hole in his pocket. That was jargon for not being able to hold on to money, but feeling an intense desire, the fire, to spend it. Bruce didn't have much money, but he sure loved to spend it. I suppose you might ask, isn't that what money's for, to spend? True, but there's more to the answer than that. Are you going to spend it all? Or will you save some of it? On what do you plan to spend it? For Bruce, the answer seemed to be, this is what I want, and I want it now. He gave no thought toward what he might need for school or for later. It was only, I've got money how can I use it on myself now? A couple of critical thoughts are raised by that last little bit. What are your future plans? Is the level of your income currently able to support them? Maybe it would be wise to save some of what you've earned. Maybe it would be wise to limit your use of it on the basics of life, the bare necessities, as Baloo would say. Maybe one of those necessities of life has to do with current relationships. Dinner and a movie with a special sweetie is appropriate, isn't it? That's not burning a hole in your pocket. That's preparing for your future. Years ago, before your father was born, I knew a bank examiner, Ralph. He was part of our congregation in Moscow, Idaho. What he said one day has stuck with me ever since for at least 45 years. He said, There are two kinds of people in this world, those who understand interest and collect it, and those who don't understand interest and pay it. I took his point. Grandma and I already held the concept of saving for the future. It's a delayed gratification approach to money. I could spend it now, or I could save it and spend it later. If I spend it now, all I can buy is a little bit my small funds would purchase. But if I save it for later, the accumulation would allow for something more, bigger or better, or both. That reminds me of a true story. While living in Terre Haute, Indiana, I took a second mortgage on my house 
to buy a car. The interest on the second mortgage was lower than the interest on a car loan. I saved money right there. The payback on the loan was about $150 per month. A few years later, we sold the house and moved to Washington. I paid off the second mortgage. I had called the $150 a month my car payment. After we sold the house, the car was completely paid for, of course. But I just kept paying that car payment each month. I opened a mutual fund and called it my car fund. I was buying my next car in advance. We continued making that $150 a month payment into the fund for several years. Ultimately, the second mortgage car rolled up over 200,000 miles. It failed. I sold it for junk for about 500 bucks. Then I needed the next car. I have a friend named Jim. Yeah, I have a friend. His son, Eric, about your father's age, sold used cars. I went to him. I bought a sob from him for $6,000. The interesting part of this story follows, so stay tuned. I took Eric a cashier's check for $6,000 right out of my car fund. That $6,000 represented about $4,000 of my money invested over the years. You see, a $6,000 car cost me $4,000 of my money. The other $2,000 came from the accumulated interest. That's exciting enough, but get this. I could have borrowed to pay Eric his $6,000 and started making monthly payments. Remember the time value of money. Those payments would end up costing me $8,000 of my money to repay the bank. That breaks down to $6,000 for the car plus two grand in interest that I would pay. Compare the two approaches. $4,000 of my money through saving or $8,000 of my money from borrowing for the same $6,000 car. That's what I call delayed gratification. David, what I'm telling you is this. If you put your money into savings, a mutual fund or other interest-yielding investment, you'll have it with interest when you need to make a big purchase. It will cost you less of your hard work or time when you save and wait to purchase than if you spend it now and choose not to save for the future. The choice is yours, of course. You can spend everything you earn as you earn it, or you can set aside some of it for future needs or desires. I know this. You'll be better off if you save now for future purchases than if you buy now because you want it now and pay for it over time. That's just a grandpa's advice. It's worth its weight in gold. Here's a similar story, and sadly a true one. Chuck, not his real name, had no concept of money management. As he talked with me about his finances, I said to him, Chuck, tell me about your outgo. As he talked, one item came up that I glommed onto. Every day at work, he had two breaks 
morning and afternoon. Every day he went to vending machines and bought a bag of chips and a soda. I said, at each break? He said, yes. I said, how much? He said, 75 cents each. So I said, that's $1.50 in the morning and $1.50 in the afternoon, right? He said, yes. Obviously, chips and drinks cost a lot less then than they do now. I said, Chuck, $3 a day times five days a week times four and a third weeks in a month equals what? He did the math. It came to $65 a month just for chips and soda. That was a big chunk of Chuck's check. I suggested that instead he go to Costco once a month and buy a party pack of chips and a case of pop for $15. That would easily provide snacks for all his breaks each month. Then he could take the $50 he saved and invest it. $50 a month invested doesn't sound like much, but it's huge if you remember the time value of money. $50 a month left in a mutual fund will amaze you. At 5%, the interest alone after 10 years would be $1,800. The interest alone. Check it out. That amounts to exactly $15 a month. The interest Chuck could have earned using my suggestion would fully repay him for all the snacks he would have purchased those 10 years. Plus, he would still have all the accumulated principal in savings, a mighty $6,000. That's like Mark Knopfler saying, money for nothing and chips for free. Stories like this abound. Those two were sufficient to drive home my point. Your money represents your labor and time. You work hard to support yourself. Plan now. Save some of it. Put at least 10% of your income into savings regularly. More if you're willing. Then, instead of many little purchases throughout your life that amount to little, you'll have a huge chunk of cash to invest in that special thing when it's time. When you understand money and how to manage it, you manage your future. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you've got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I want to talk with David about the haves and the have-nots. Happiness is in the mind, not in ownership. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore MacArthur at comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page Blurbs from Rod. Until, Until next, next Monday, Monday, have a joy-filled, joy-filled week. week.